technologies work. If you've got your Bibles this morning, turn to Luke chapter 4. Read uh, some verses here <clears throat> this morning. I want to, as you're, as you're turning, I'll just remind you, this Luke's Gospel, it was written by Luke, obviously. He was a physician. We know that about him. He, he journeyed with Paul in, in some of his uh, missions work. And so he was a close companion of him. He was a, a, a doctor, a physician. And as a doctor, we would like all doctors to be this way, he was, he was meticulous in, in giving details in the Gospel of, of Luke and also in the book of Acts. And we would like for doctors to always be meticulous in their details, wouldn't we? We'd like them to look for everything and not miss anything. Well, as we read through any of, of Luke's writings, in, in Luke or in the, uh, the book of Acts, pay attention to all those details he pulls in there. It's just he's very nitpicky and, and providing uh, lots of information for us. Matthew was the same way and to a large extent because Matthew was a tax collector. He was an accountant, and he put a lot of details, just fine details for us. And I, I'm appreciative of that. I like the fact that the Word of God gives us the things that we need. So we're going to start, uh, I just want to mention that, he, he, pay attention to the details. What we're, what we're reading about is a series of events that led uh, to three men, and we know them as uh, Peter, uh, James, and John, uh, some events that changed their lives forever, and we're going to take a look at that as we read here in Luke chapter 4. So we're going to start reading. Uh, in uh, Luke 4, uh, verse 38, and then we're going to read on into to chapter 5 a little ways as well. Uh, as you met, we all, I think, are aware, the chapter uh, breaks in the Scripture are man-made. And so sometimes it, when you get to the end of a chapter, the story keeps going. And so we'll read a little farther into chapter 5. Uh, Luke 4, verse 38, it says, And he, that is Jesus, he rose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. Uh, this is Simon Peter. So through as I'm talking today, I'm probably going to, you'll hear me refer to him as Peter more often because that's the, that's the name that comes to mind. He entered into Simon's house, and Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she arose and ministered unto them. Now this would have been one of those cases where the, the doctor Luke would have said, I wouldn't have been able to give any explanation for that. This was the Son of God doing something. And I like it. I personally like it when doctors have to say that sometimes. Yeah, I don't know what happened, but you're better. And I, it wasn't anything I did. And it's nice to hear that, isn't it? Verse 40, Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with divers diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuking them suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place. And the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him that he should not depart from them. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. And he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. What we see in these verses in chapter 4 is, and I'll talk more about this later, Jesus was very busy. This is setting the, 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 uh, setting the stage here. He was very busy in his ministry. Verse five, or chapter 5, verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. That's another uh, term for the Sea of Galilee. And saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. 
And when he left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we've toiled all the night, and have taken nothing. Uh, nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down the net. And when he had, uh, when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had, forsook, or when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. The title of the message this morning is Forsaking All to Follow Jesus. And we're going to see, we're going to look a little closer at this uh, series of events. But let's pray one more time before we start. Father, thank you again for allowing us to be here today, to be in this place of worship, to be among these uh, fellow uh, brethren and sisters in Christ. We thank you that you've called us to come together to worship you together. We thank you for the music that has been played and sung here today, Father. Thank you for the, uh, you just allowing us to worship you, to praise you with our voices. We thank you for the prayers that have been uttered here. We thank you for every person who is here today. And uh, Lord, we ask that as we meet together, the Holy Spirit might move among us. We pray that as we look into your word, that you would open our hearts, our minds to receive it, that we'd understand what we see here. And we pray, Father, we might see something here that would change our lives today, that would uh, draw us closer to you. Uh, as we as we look at uh, some of these events in the life of Jesus and uh, and uh, three of his apostles, we just ask you to to move among us now to guide us, and we ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. So uh, we're just going to look at what the, the the passage is telling us first, and then we'll draw some uh, conclusions from that. The first, as I said, Luke, uh, the verses we read in chapter four. They kind of set the stage, uh, and the stage that we see in verses 38 through 41 of Luke 4 is that Jesus was incredibly busy. Uh, we see that he was, he was teaching regularly in the synagogues, and we know that about Jesus. He spent a lot of time on the Sabbath days. He would go into the synagogues, and he would, he would uh, read the Word of God. He would teach people. And we know that his teaching from other portions of Scripture, it was he taught as one having authority. That's what people said about him. He taught as one who, it was said, he had the words of life. I can sit here and I can read, or stand here and I can read you verses of Scripture, but Jesus taught with one having authority because they were his words. He was the Son of God. And so it was a lot different, wasn't it? But he, he went from city to city, town to town, village to village, and he would teach wherever he went because he was presenting the kingdom of God to people and telling them it's coming closer. You can be you can be born into the family of God, and that's the message that he had. So it was it was very busy. He was answering questions when people would have them. Can can't you imagine? I, I sat in in lectures uh, have nothing to do with church. I sat in lectures and, and and listened to people, professors or subject matter experts, and at the end I, I would have questions. Oh, I'd like to ask that person this question or that question because they're the ones who know. When we sit in in a church service or we're listening to a preacher or a, a message on the radio or TV, oftentimes we have questions, don't we? Well, Jesus was there, and he was the one who had all the answers. 
you can ask me any kind of questions, and uh, you might not get a good answer because I'm I'm not the brightest light on the Christmas tree. I, I worked with a guy. I may have told you this, and his his take was he was a machinist. This was many years ago, and his thing was I don't know nothing. Ask me anything, and I'll prove it. And I thought, okay. Well, I, sometimes I feel that way. Ask me anything. I don't know nothing. I can I can prove it. Just just ask me. But with Jesus, it was different. People would bring their questions to Him, and He would have the answers. And they were the true answers. They may not have been the answers they always wanted to hear. And oftentimes, I think we see in the New Testament, they weren't the answers people wanted to hear. The Pharisees, the scribes, some of those people especially, because they would turn away from Him. But He had the answers. And so He's, he's busy answering questions. He's busy facing criticism. Even in this early part of His ministry, there were people who didn't like Him. They didn't like the message that he brought. They rejected him. And so he was facing uh, criticism. And that can be, if you ever face that, we probably all have it sometime or another, that can that can really uh, drain you of energy, can it? If, if you're facing criticism everywhere you turn. Uh, it, some people grow up in a household where uh, one parent or the other is, is constantly criticizing what they do. Some of us, have, we've had teachers that did that. No matter what you did, no matter what paper you turned in, or assignment it was, it was always something wrong with it. Isn't it refreshing when people can point out something good every now and then? And, and so that's helpful, isn't it? But he faced criticism. But he was also busy. He was casting out demons who, by the way, according to verse 41, knew exactly who he was. He was casting out these demons and they said, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. See, demons know who he is. It's humans who have a hard time figuring out who he is sometimes and accepting it, isn't it? But they knew. He's casting out demons. He was, he was living at this point with the complications of a growing popularity because there were a lot of, but though there were people who criticized him, there were more and more people who were accepting him. And they wanted to be near him. And they wanted to hear him. And they would follow him from one town to the next. Uh, he, he, you would think, okay, he's going to leave Burlington and he's going to go into Graham and he'll start over. Well, that, that wasn't necessarily the truth because the people from Burlington, a lot of them would follow him to Graham. And then when he went to Mebbin, there would be people from Burlington and Graham who would follow him to Mebbin. And so the crowds keep got, got, they just kept getting bigger and bigger. And so there's complications when you've got a bunch of, of people following you around and they want to, I, I don't have this problem, but I've, I've, heard, I've read of people, musicians and such, of groupies are going around with them. And that's, that's a big thing. And so he's, he's dealing with this, isn't he? He was healing the sick. He was confronting the forces of evil everywhere he went. And the list goes on and on and on and on. And at this point in his ministry, he's doing it all alone. He didn't have anyone to help him. He's, he's going along, he's teaching, he's healing these people. And in verse 42, we see that he tried uh, to find a quiet place. It says, when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place. Uh, a, part, a place where there weren't a lot of people. Let's read into it that. It doesn't necessarily mean a, a Sahara desert kind of environment. It could have been a grassy plain. It could have been a really nice place with some shade trees and, and a spring and that sort of thing but a place where he didn't have so many people around him. Now, why would Jesus want to do that? I think maybe he wanted, uh, he wanted to look for a little bit of rest, maybe. Uh, I was looking for rest the other night. Robin was telling Linda a little while ago, we, we were up to 4.30 one night this week, um, canning green beans. I was looking for a little bit of rest after that. Robin had been doing it more than I had. So she wanted some rest. I think Jesus, and, and by the way, canning green beans has no... That, 
not even close to what the Lord was facing, was it? I think he was looking probably for some rest, uh, uh, the ability to recharge a little bit. I think he was looking for a time when he could get alone with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit and commune a little bit. By the way, don't we need that too? Aren't there times when we just get so busy that we just need some time to rest, some time to recharge, some time to look into the Word of God and see what it has to say, and some time to pray and tell the Father, God the Father, what's on our minds? And then get really quiet and let the Holy Spirit tell us what's on His mind. That's important to us, isn't it? And so I think that's probably at least part of what Jesus was doing when He tried to find a desert place, but the people hunted Him down. Anyway, they they kept finding Him no matter where He was. And and we're told there that um, they tried to prevent Him from leaving. Don't go. Stay with us. And we're told that in verses 43 and 44, he told them, he said, I have to go. I have to go to other places, other villages, other towns, because I'm sent to minister to them as well. And so he did. He left. He went to other towns. And then it was right back to the same thing. You remember the the instructions? We've all seen them, I guess, on on the shampoo bottle. Shampoo, rinse, repeat. That's what Jesus' ministry was a lot like, wasn't it? And he just repeated the same thing from one town to another. He was back to the synagogues. Uh, for more of the teaching, more of the healing the sickness, more of the answering the questions, more of the crowds of people who wanted to see Him, who wanted to hear Him, who wanted to touch Him. And so there's still very little rest, very little recharging, uh, not a lot of time perhaps for Him to, to spend alone with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit either in, in communing. And so he, this was just a relentless uh, routine that Jesus went through, and yet He continued to do it. Why? Because he came here to seek and to save that which was lost. And that was what was on his mind. And he was going to carry the message of the kingdom to people. So when we get to Luke chapter 5, that sets the setting. That sets the stage. He's very, very busy at this point. When he gets to chapter 5, we, we, the scene changes a little bit. And he's starting. Uh, he's going to start reaching out to get other people engaged in the ministry with him. And we see that in, in Luke chapter 5. Verse 1 we see again the people were they were still they were continuing to press in on him. They wanted to hear what he had to say. And at this point he's along the Sea of Galilee or the Lake of Gennesaret as Luke refers to it. Um, there's nowhere to go. They're pressing in on him. There's a lake over here, and there's people over here. Where do you go at that point, right? And so he sees there's a couple of boats there, and um, he uh, sees those two boats. One of them belonged to Simon Peter. Now we know that he already knew Peter. We read that in verse, or in chapter four. He's already been to Peter's house. He's uh, healed his mother-in-law of a fever, and 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 all of these things. So he knows them. He knows these men, and he gets there and he sees them. They've been fishing all night long, which was a that was a, a, a the way they did fishing, as as I'm told. They would fish at night. I don't know if the fish responded to the nets better at night or if it was just cooler at night it was less people at night it was maybe it was quieter i don't know what i've i'm not a, i'm not an avid fisherman but the times that i went fishing i was a kid and i was told shh be quiet you'll scare the fish well I don't, maybe that's i don't know if that's true or they just wanted me to be quiet <laughs> but maybe during the daytime it's too much noise and, and the fish didn't come around or something i don't know but they fished at night and here they are it's it's morning now they're, the boats are at the shore. They're cleaning their nets. They're getting ready for the next night of fishing. Okay, Jesus got into one of the boats. It was Peter's. And he said, would you just push out the water a little bit? Let me get away from the crowd. I'm also told by people who know these things that um, 
sitting in a boat on the uh, in the waters in the shallow waters of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus, the acoustics would have been such that Jesus wouldn't have even had to yell, and people could have heard him very well on the coast or along the shoreline. And so. <coughs> I don't, by the way, think that would have been an accident. I think the God who created everything knew that there would come a day when Jesus would be sitting in a boat and he would be teaching and they, they needed those acoustics. So that's what he did. He pushed out into, the, into the, the shallow water and he sat there and he taught the people. And we're not sure how long. It doesn't tell us how long, but we've seen some of Jesus' discourses in the Gospels. It could have been quite a while preaching. And we know these people wanted to hear it. And so it could have been quite a while. And now we've got these fishermen who've been up all night fishing. They've been mending their nets, and they're sitting there listening to him as well. So by this time, they may be getting a little tired, you reckon? It might be time for a little bit of shut-eye. Likely, they're very exhausted. Verses uh, 4 through 10, though we read that after, after Jesus had taught the people, he did something that was forever going to change the lives of three of these fishermen. And, and this is where it gets interesting. He asked Peter, he said, would you launch out into deep water? He's already taught the people. He said, launch out into the deep water. Go out and get out of the shallows. And when you get out there, I want you to let the nets down for a draft. Let's go fishing, Peter. And I love the way it, 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 it tells us here that Peter explained to him the way of fishing. Lord, we've been doing this all night, and we didn't catch a thing. Look around you. There's no fish here. There's no fish around. But to Peter's credit, he said, nevertheless, at your will, I will let those nets down. You know, sometimes the Lord might ask us to do things that don't make sense to us, but it's best if we just say, go ahead. Because when the Lord says there's fish down there, there's fish down there. When He says you'll get some if you cast those nets, he's, we're going to get some if we cast the nets. So we just need to listen to Him, don't we? And that's what Peter did. And when the net was lowered, we're told in verse 6, it enclosed a multitude or a great multitude of fish. A lot of fish. And he started catching in. And we're told that the net broke. And they're trying to, the net's breaking, they're trying to get all the fish in the boat, and they call to the other, the other boat, James and uh, John, the sons of Zebedee. They were partners with Peter, and he said, bring your boat out here, we got fish. Well, they probably didn't believe that right off the bat either. But they go out, and they're helping them get the, the nets in, and we're told that they filled both of the ships with fish. I don't know how big these boats were. Uh, Josephus, in his commentary, I'm told, use the word that we, we get our word skiff from. So it's not a small boat. It's not just a little rowboat. Uh, the, the term ship to me means something a little bigger because I live in 2023 when ships are, are huge. But it was a good-sized boat, a good-sized fishing boat, and two of them are, are now beginning to sink with all the fish that they caught when they fished all night and didn't catch a single thing, right? And so we're told that uh, Peter fell down at Jesus' knees. I like that term, at his knees, and said memorable words, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. It's been suggested that there were so many fish in that boat that Peter would have fell at the Lord's feet, but he couldn't get down far enough to get to his feet. He could only go to his knees. I think that very well may be true. If it's enough uh, fish for the, the boat to start sink, there's a bunch of them around, isn't it? And so... I want you to note the contrast when in verse 4, the Lord said, uh, when He left speaking, He said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. Look at verse 5. Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing, etc., etc. That term master, it has the idea of a teacher. Someone that we, we would respect because of what we can learn from him. But look at verse 8. After this miraculous catch of the fish... 
When Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. That's a different word from the Greek word that we get the, the term master from in verse 4. This, this term Lord means one who is supreme in authority. Peter has now come to a realization if he didn't know it before. He's dealing with someone other than just a good teacher at this point. Now he's dealing with the Lord, the one who commands the fish, the one who knows exactly where they are. And so this is, this is something happening in Peter's life here. He's, he's, he's realizing this is, this is somebody I need to listen to. This is somebody I need to be close to. And so we're told in verse 9 that the fishermen were astonished. Literally, that means dumbfounded. They had no idea there were that many fish. And they, they'd never seen anything like this. Why were they astonished? Very simple. They'd never been fishing with Jesus before. When you go fishing with Jesus, things happen. Things you didn't expect. When we do anything with Jesus, we, we reach things that we didn't expect, don't we? So uh, Jesus told them from now on, He says, don't worry, from now on you're going to catch men. And that's a, that's a, a, a beautiful promise, isn't it? Verse 11, we see uh, three very different men coming back to shore with Jesus because we're told when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed Him. They had a very different calling now. It says that they gave up all and followed Jesus. Now, think about that term, all, what it means there. These men, they walked away from their lifelong occupation. Yes, they were fishermen. I don't know how old they were at this time, maybe in their mid-30s perhaps. I assume these men were probably very close to, to the same age as Jesus at this time. And so they walked away from their occupation. They walked away from their familiar surroundings. They were familiar with the Sea of Galilee. They were familiar with fishing. They were familiar with earning a living this way. He says they left it. They were willing to leave that. I'm sure that every one of them had their own goals in life. You know, I'm going to fish for so long and then I'm going to buy a couple more boats. And before you know it, I'm going to be like Forrest Gump and I'm going to be a gozillionaire because I'm such a big fisherman. They left all of their, their plans and they said well, they left it all to follow Jesus. Now, that's what happened. Questions come to mind. Why would these three men be willing to do this? This was Peter, James, and John. The, they, were, they became apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why would they be willing to leave everything or all and follow Jesus? Another question, one that's gets closer to home, why would people be willing to do that today? Because there are people today who will leave all and follow Jesus, aren't there? Well, I think there's some, there's some possibilities that I'd like to share with us in the, in the minutes we have left. There's six of them. We should be able to go through them fairly quickly, I think. First possibility of why these three men or men, uh, people today would be willing to leave all and follow Jesus is because Jesus chooses not to minister to people alone. He was looking for people to help him at this point. Uh, he could have commanded those fish to come. If he wanted fish, he could have just said, float to the surface and they'd come, wouldn't he? Because he was the Son of God. He could have walked on the water and just stood out there on the water teaching the people on shore if that's what he'd wanted. We know he could do that. We see that in, in other passages. But he didn't do that. He wanted to use Peter's boat. He chose to, to let Peter have a part in that. He could have rowed a boat himself out into the water, just found a smaller one and just rowed out there and sat and, and talked talk to people on the shore. But again, he chose to use Peter to help with that. He could have dropped the net over the side of the boat himself. He could have said, Peter, go out in the, in the deep water. I'm going to drop this net over here. But no, what did he say? He said, drop the net over yourself. He wanted Peter to be a part of it. He could have pulled the net in by himself. 
and pull the fish in. No, he, he involved Peter. He chose to use Peter. And then when the net started to break, he chose to use James and John too when they brought their boat over and, and bring in this, this catch of fish, didn't he? He specifically stated to them, from now on, you will be fishers of men. You're going to come and help me now. You're going to be allowed to be a part of this ministry sharing the kingdom of God. And so, why would these three be willing to, look, to desert or, or forsake all and follow it? Because Jesus chooses not to minister to people alone. He chooses to allow people to work with Him. A second possibility of why people would be willing to forsake all. Jesus uses familiar things for incredible outcomes. Think about it. He came into their neighborhood. A neighborhood where they were familiar. Where they worked and lived every day of their lives. He came into their neighborhood. He got into their area of expertise. Jesus was not a fisherman by trade, was he? He grew up in a carpenter's house. If, if there was going to be a trade, I suppose you'd say that was his trade. I'm sure he, he swung a hammer or chiseled out stone or whatever the building materials they used. That was his area of expertise. But he got into Peter and James and John's expertise so they could help. He let them use their skills. That's what he does now, isn't it? The Lord gives people talents and then he allows them to use those talents in his, in his work, in his service. In their familiar settings, he made them see incredible possibilities. Things they would never have expected. And Jesus still does that. And that's why people are willing to forsake everything to follow Jesus, isn't it? A third possibility of why people would be willing to, to uh, forsake everything is, uh, and follow Jesus is because He moves people from the safety of what they can see to the risks of what they can't see. Because it is risky to leave everything and follow the Lord. It's risky to leave everything and follow anyone, isn't it? It was risky. I, I, I think someone mentioned earlier, Robin and I have a wedding anniversary tomorrow. Forty years ago, Robin was willing to leave everything and come along and be my wife. And I was willing to leave everything in my life and go along and be her husband. It's a big risk, isn't it? We've, most of us here have taken that risk at one point or another. And we could say it's worth it. Anyone who leaves everything and follows the Lord Jesus, they're taking a risk, but it's worth it. You know, nothing, um, nothing significant happened to them when um, they when Jesus was along the shore, when, when he was on the shore, when he got into the boat and they went out into the shallow water, nothing significant happened. He was still teaching them, and that's what they were used to. It was only when they went out into the deep water, where nobody could touch bottom, that's when it got really interesting, wasn't it? That's when the miraculous started happening. And so, um, when that happened. Um, he told them to let their nets down. He said, this is when you're going to start to see something you didn't expect. And that's exactly what happened. The deep is always full of uncertainties, isn't it? But when you're in the will of God, when you're following the Lord Jesus Christ, everything is certain. His outcome is always certain. It won't, it's going to, things are going to turn out the way He wanted them to turn out. It's never been any different, and it never will be. Because there is nothing, there is no force, there is no person, there is no demon, there is nothing that can thwart the promise and the purpose of God, is there? And so he said, go out in the deep water. I'm going to show you something. And so they were willing after this to forsake everything and follow him. A fourth possibility of, of why they might be willing or people might be willing to forsake everything is 
Jesus proves uh, potential to us when He starts to break our nets and to fill our boats, doesn't He? He starts to, to show us things. Now, there's not a one of those fishermen there that day who thought there were that many fish anywhere nearby because they, these, they were professionals. They had fished all night long. They didn't catch anything. He didn't say they, did, they caught a little bit. It was they didn't catch anything. And so they're, they're sitting out, they're mending their nets or washing their nets and getting ready for the next night. Well, maybe it'll be better tomorrow. So they didn't expect it. But when God's involved, when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is at work, things start to happen, don't they? Uh, fish appear where there didn't used to be fish. Nets that you just got finished cleaning and mending start to break because of the weight of the fish. When God is at work, the planks uh, that form the deck of boats, they start to creak because it's getting heavier than it was before. Boats that are perfectly seaworthy begin to sink because there's so many fish in them. Things start to happen when God goes to work, don't they? And so, thing he, he, be, he shows us the potential that can happen when He begins to work. As By the way, also, people's eyes start to bulge in amazement, don't they? Because of what they're seeing. Because I, I, I never would have thought that could happen. People... We, we see the Lord displaying so much potential if we're just obedient enough to follow Him. And so that is something that, that will lead people to say, I'm going to forsake everything and I'm going to follow Jesus Christ because no one else can show me those kinds of things. He has a claim on me. A fifth uh, potential reason for why people would leave all or forsake all and follow Him is Jesus conceals His surprises until after we follow His leading. Wouldn't it be good sometimes if He would say, look, this is what you have. This is what I'm going to give you. Now follow me. That's not what He says. Is he? he says, follow me and then I'll show you what you're going to get. And it's going to be good. It's always going to be good. Well, we have our grandkids sometimes and Robin will say, I've got a surprise. If you'll eat your, if you'll eat your beans, there's a surprise for dessert. Well, what is it? I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it's good. <laughs> And then beans start to disappear off plates at that point, don't they? Yeah. Well, that's the way the Lord works, isn't it? You know, that day, He had surprises, but they had to follow Him. Everything looked normal that day for those fishermen. I'm sure it wasn't the first time that they'd fished all night and didn't catch anything. So everything's normal for them, right? I don't think uh, that there was any kind of a heavenly glow or halo effect around the boats that day that made them shimmer in the sunlight. I don't think there was any. I think the boats looked just like they always did. And when Jesus said, launch out into the deep and drop your nets, I don't think there was any kind of special sizzling sound when they hit the water, like, something's about to happen. I don't think there was dramatic music like you might hear on a Hollywood epic film. It was just like normal. The nets went in the water just like they always did. I don't think the lake was any different that day than it ever was. Before, the water looked the same. They, didn't have, they had no idea what to expect, but they were obeying the Lord. And so what happened? A miracle took place to the point where we're told that they were astonished. These salty fishermen were astonished with a great astonishment because of what they saw that day. It only happened when Peter obeyed the Lord and he launched out into the deep and he let the nets down. That is what leads people to say, I'm going to forsake everything and follow Jesus because I want to see more of this. I don't want this to be a one-time event. A sixth and final thing we'll look at a possibility for why people would be willing to follow, leave everything, forsake everything and follow Jesus. 
He reveals his objective to people who release their security to him. After what they've seen, I believe Jesus could see a willingness in their faces. When these men are, when they're finished pulling this net in, and they fill two ships up, and now they got to get to shore quickly because the boats are starting to sink because of the weight. I believe he started to see a willingness in the in the eyes of Peter and James and John. Yeah, they're ready now. I've got they're primed, and so he knew they were ready to follow him. And it was only then that he told them that they were going to start catching men. He said, "Don't don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to catch men." And these three men jumped at the chance to follow Christ. And it says they they forsook everything to follow Him. I don't think that meant they left their families and said, I'm not going to have anything to do with you anymore. Peter still had a wife. He still had a mother-in-law and other things like that. But they were willing to leave what they had set as their path. And they said, now I'm going to follow Jesus in the path that He's going to set for me. It's amazing, isn't it? I want to tell you, Jesus is still calling people today to follow Him. He says, come with me. I'll make you fishers of men. Come with me. You'll be born into my family. You'll be a a child of God. You'll be an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And I want to just put the question out there. Can you imagine what it would be like if every Christian around forsook everything or was willing at least to forsake all and follow Jesus in the path He wanted them to go. Can you imagine what would happen in a church like this one or in a community like this that has so many churches like this one if we were simply willing to say, Lord, what what is it you want me to do? And that's what I'll do. I'll go there. And that speaks to Christians, doesn't it? But I'll tell you this, if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, I want to ask you the same question. What would be the potential if you gave up everything that you're hanging on so tightly and you said, I'm going to trust you, Lord, because I know that you can save me. I know I can be born again into God's family. You said that you would do that for me. And there's nothing simpler, or there's nothing better than, than a child's simple faith, a child who comes to you and says, I got saved. And you say, how, how do you know that? Jesus is living within me. And they say, how do you know? Or we ask them, how do you know? And their simple answer is because he said he would. He saved me because He said He would. And He still does that today, doesn't He? So I would would urge anyone, I don't know anyone's heart, but if you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ, do it. Trust Him. and Just put your faith in Him and He will save you. He said He would and He's still in that business. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much again for allowing us to look into this portion of Scripture. We thank You for Luke's uh, level of detail as he wrote these words. We thank You for uh, how he, he portrays to us just how busy the Lord Jesus was. He was dedicated to the work He came here to do. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And He saved people. He healed people. He cast out demons. These are not fables. These are, are true accounts. And He could have continued to do that as the Son of God all by Himself, but He chose to start reaching out and having people work with Him. And here in the account here in Luke chapter 5, we see how he, he, he worked in the lives of Peter and James and John so that they would forsake all that they had known and, and follow Him to become fishers of men. And we know that they all did. And we thank You for their ministries. And we thank You for the ministries of the other apostles who followed them. We thank You, Lord, for the generations of people who've gone before us who have decided, they've made that decision, they would trust Jesus Christ as their Savior and they would forsake all and follow Him. 
And we pray, Father, as, as we read these words and as we ponder these things, Lord, that we would also make that same decision, that we would follow You, that we would follow, forsake all, if that's what it takes, and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. If, uh, Father, there's something that You would have us do, someone we should we be witnessing to, some way that we can serve You, whatever it might be, Father, we pray that You would you would make us amenable to that and make us just like Peter, James, and John that we would jump at the chance to follow <coughs> our Lord. And then we pray, Father, if there's anyone here today who has never trusted Jesus as Savior, we pray this would be the day that you would uh, burden their hearts. Show them, Lord, that they need Jesus Christ and that He will save them. If they simply come to Him in faith and we pray that you might move in that way. Bless us as uh, we conclude the service as we go our separate ways, Father. We pray that you bless us. We pray that you encourage us pray that we might be effective servants for you and that we might glorify you in everything we say or do or even think in the days to come. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.